This is Illinois Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about a COVID-19 vaccine, the state's backlog of FOID card applications and unemployment claims, and the state's continued budget problems. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about a variety of issues. That's ahead with Illinois Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. As the nation awaits distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine, Illinois stakeholders are ready to help administer doses. Memorial Medical Center Chief Medical Officer Dr. Raj Govindaya said they're preparing to have their five hospitals, which serves more than 40 counties, administer the vaccine. But we'll receive the vaccine and we are standing up plans to vaccinate healthcare workers first and foremost. That's what we've been asked to do. Nationwide, CVS and Walgreens are hiring thousands of workers to be able to administer the vaccine in future rollouts. Illinois Department of Public Health Director Dr. Ngaze Azike said the state's working every avenue they can. We want to be clear that we are going to get all the resources we need, all the help that we need so that we can expedite this process and safely of getting people who are appropriately trained to put this vaccine in people's arms so that we can get to the end of this of this pandemic journey. Ezekiel said they don't want to have ample stores of vaccines with limited numbers of people to administer doses. Absolutely all conversations are on the table. I think dentists, I think maybe do have uh, the ability to participate in this in this uh, in this process. Illinois State Dental Society Government Relations Director David Marsh said they're readying staff so they'll be able to help off site like at a public health clinic. And then as the different as the vaccines change, Obviously, they might be able to do them in their office. The storage issue is the biggest hurdle for, for any, any provider to do the vaccine. The initial vaccine expected to be distributed requires super cold storage before it's administered. The first round will be targeted to medical workers and nursing homes. Illinois health officials are reacting to a report that two people in Great Britain suffered allergic reaction after getting the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Kevin Bessler has more. Britain's medical regulator warned that people with a history of serious allergic reactions shouldn't get the vaccine. The director of the Illinois Department of Public Health is Dr. Ngazi Azike. We did hear of two significant allergic reactions. Uh, these were individuals that had a history of severe allergic reactions. They were both uh, healthcare workers that already carried with them EpiPens. Azike says side effects reported during the vaccine trials include headaches and fever and occurred in up to a quarter of the trial participants. The vaccine could be made available in Illinois next week. 
I'm Kevin Bessler. Every month this year, Illinois is dominated in federal background checks, according to FBI statistics. But state-regulated firearm owner identification card backlogs continue to mount. Illinois State Police say average wait times are 121 days for FOID cards, and there are nearly 145,000 pending applications as of this week. Republican State Representative C.D. Davidsmeyer said Governor J.B. Pritzker can't blame COVID-19 on or the federal government for the delays. This is on him. There are rules set within this um, within the FOID system of how long they have to, uh, to process these, and, and they're certainly not following. So I would say we need to suspend the FOID system until they can get it under control and stop violating people's Second Amendment rights. And it's not just downstate residents frustrated. Chicago Democratic State Representative Kelly Cassidy said she's seen a surprising number of constituent service requests about delays. But she said the solution is for more resources. There are dozens of lawsuits challenging the law in state and federal courts, and State Representative Avery Bourne said it's ridiculous Illinois citizens need to challenge the law to secure their rights, and lawmakers need to act. Let us do our jobs. Let us fix it. Or Governor Pritzker, you fix it. But let us do it so that citizens don't have to sue their own government to practice their constitutional right. Governor J.B. Pritzker Wednesday blamed funding sweeps from years ago and said they're working on it. Uh, making sure we have outcomes, goals, uh, and accountability in that system. Uh, we certainly want to bring down that backlog. But the backlog hasn't decreased. Since October, the backlog's increased by around 3,000 to nearly 145,000. At 105,000 in Illinois last week, the number of new unemployment filings increased. But so do the reports of people being told they have to pay back benefits they received months ago. State Representative Mike Marin said he can't get anyone at the state agency to return his calls after constituents pleaded for help. They were shut down by the government. They were promised relief, help to make sure that they got through. That liked to never come, and when it finally did get there, now, months later, after that's been spent, just so these people could keep their head above water, the government's demanding that they pay this money back. Marin said he can't get a hold of anyone. Until the majority decides that they want to hold people accountable for this disaster, I don't know what to tell people anymore. But I will tell you that I'm ashamed of this. And I am ashamed that I can't get a hold of anybody. And somebody needs to give me some answers. Governor J.B. Pritzker reacted to the growing reports, saying the federally created program's faulty because it requires the benefactor to self-report their income level. And they put down what they might have thought was going to be their income for the year otherwise. Um, and then, you know, the state has to verify those numbers on the back end. Republicans have for months pushed for public hearings into persistent problems with IDES to no avail. The governor has a different level of ire for two different indoor gatherings that goes against his recommendation. In Chicago, Alderman Tom Tooney apologized for his error in judgment in serving people inside his Ann Sather restaurant. Separately, State Representative Brad Halbrook defended hosting a ticketed event in Douglas County. Pritzker reacted to both. I'll tell you what the difference is, by the way. The alderman admitted that he shouldn't have done it. He admitted that he hadn't done it. Okay, but Brad Halberg, he's been caught. You think he's admitting it? No, you think he's taking any responsibility? He has a hundred people together in a, in a space. He knows so much better than that. Halberg said nobody was forced to go, and it's their constitutional right to peaceably assemble. It's really shameful that they report that I was caught having a holiday party. I mean, it was out there for all the world to see, and anybody could come and go as they wished and choose. 
It's unclear if the venue for Halbrook's event faces any ramifications. Because of COVID-19, health professionals encourage people not to gather in large groups and to wear masks when in public. There's still no clear direction on how Illinois lawmakers and the governor will balance the state budget. This is around $4 billion out of whack. Governor J.B. Pritzker said he's eyeing cuts before tax increases. Uh, so that's that's what I've been focused on. And, you know, I'm, I will say that I, I have not yet heard back from uh, the leaders about what their best proposals are for what uh, cuts need to be made. Uh, and so I'm, I'm awaiting their responses. House Speaker Michael Madigan reportedly talked to the Legislative Black Caucus about increasing revenue instead of cuts. Assistant Senate Majority Leader Bill Cunningham wasn't specific about cuts, but said they're also eyeing reversing some tax incentive programs. We'll have to evaluate those things and determine whether or not some of those loopholes have to be closed in order to increase the revenue flow so we don't have to uh, cut as many vital programs. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin said he spoke directly to the governor after the election. The question came up about how we're going to solve the budget. The governor asked me what was my plan. I said, Governor, we need to go back. I'd like for you to go back to 2019, where you issued a statement that you were asking for six and a half percent cuts across the board from your agencies. Pritzker has said he can find efficiencies in some areas on his own, but he may need legislative action to shore up other spending. The current spending plan is around $4 billion out of balance. Meanwhile, the Pritzker administration has paid back only $200 million of the $1.2 billion loan to bridge last year's spending plan and billions more in borrowings coming late next week. Taxpayers will be on the hook for years. During a Restore Illinois Collaborative Commission hearing this week, Republican State Representative Dan Calkins asked Governor's Office of Management and Budget Director Alexis Sturm about the recent borrowing. We did borrow a billion two to close out fiscal year 20. That was built into the budget to repay that. Um, the borrowing that we are doing next week is going to be repaid over three years. The state's set to borrow $2 billion next week. It's only paid $200 million of the $1.2 billion it borrowed for last year's budget. Calkin said that's unacceptable. I don't find it very satisfying that we borrowed money against uh, revenue that was delayed and that we didn't use that revenue to pay back the money that we borrowed. Now we're going to be trying to pay back another billion dollars plus $2 billion that we borrowed with money that we don't have uh, somehow. Recent projections have the state budget that ends this summer around $4 billion out of balance. The death of a state lawmaker over the weekend could be consequential in ongoing corruption investigations into ComEd executives and House Speaker Michael Madigan. Cole Lauterbach has that story. Former state Senator Martin Sandoval pleaded guilty to accepting bribes from a red light camera company last year, making a lesser sentence available if he became a cooperating witness for federal prosecutors. Corruption expert David Parker with St. Xavier University says losing a CW like Sandoval probably caused some panic in the state's attorney's office. If it does end up going to trial and it's a jury trial, I mean, this man could have just laid the foundation and really spell things out and giving a jury a picture of what was going on. Sandoval's admission just dealt with a red light camera company, but the FBI searched his office looking for evidence involving utility ComEd, who has admitted to a decade-long patronage scheme to curry favor with House Speaker Michael Madigan. Sandoval was Madigan's state senator. 
I'm Cole Lauterbach. Those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crosstalk segment of the Illinois in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square, broadcast on the Illinois Radio Network. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined by my friend and colleague, executive editor Dan McCaleb. What is up, Dan? Hey, how you doing, Chris? By the time we're recording this on uh, Thursday, December 10th, today's uh, Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners, and by the time you're listening to this, uh, we'll be less than two weeks away from Christmas. You ready? Kaboom. Yes, I've been e-commercing with high levels of intensity. Uh, we have boxes, I think, uh, everywhere. I have no idea what's in them. Uh, I've been looking for some toothpaste that I ordered. I fear that it's in there with some other things that I ordered. So I got to start digging. Um a lot to Dan. talk about this week, huh? Well, I'll tell you. You know, so like st- starting off on sort of a, a somber and, and and a strange note. Um, former state senator Martin Sandoval uh, passed away over the weekend um, from what has been called COVID-related uh, or COVID-caused uh, conditions. Um, Martin Sandoval was very much in the midst of significant, significant discussions uh, around um, what's gone on with the, uh, the ComEd deal and, uh, and a handful of other things. So why don't you get us up to date on this and let's talk about it for a bit. Sure. First, let me, uh, let me express uh, my condolences to uh, Martin Sandoval's uh, family and, uh, and close friends. Uh, when anyone dies, whether it's COVID or anything like that, it is uh, uh, sad news, and, and people are out there mourning. But uh, Martin Sandoval uh, pleaded guilty earlier this year to tax evasion and bribery charges in connection to his involvement a red light can a red light camera scheme. Uh, he uh, admitted to accepting more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in bribes from a red light camera company uh, to keep uh, to essentially hold or halt legislation that would ban red light cameras uh, throughout the state, um, uh, which he was successful in doing. Feds caught him. Um, He admitted to it. And as part of his plea agreement, he agreed to cooperate with other federal uh, investigations, including uh, the one targeting uh, Speaker House Speaker Michael Madigan and uh, uh, ComEd. ComEd, of course, uh, pleaded guilty uh, this past summer uh, or agreed to a deferred prosecution agreement in which they agreed to pay $200 million after admitting that they uh, tried to uh, uh, gain favor, curry favor with Speaker Madigan uh, for in exchange for favorable legislation. They hired a number of Madigan associates, 
put them in no work jobs, things like that. Madigan has not been charged with a crime, but um, as part of his plea deal, a former senator, he, he resigned, of course, after being charged by the feds. Former Senator Martin Sandoval agreed to cooperate in any and all of the federal investigations into corruption in Illinois. Um, so uh, his death sort of... Uh, uh, puts a kink in the federal prosecutor's investigation. Maybe, we don't know what Senator, uh, former Senator Sandoval knew about the ComEd uh, uh, corruption probe, but we do know when federal investigators uh, raided his, his offices, his Springfield office and his district office uh, last year, that they, in, in addition to looking for any information connected to the red light camera investigation. They were also looking for any information he had um, in connection to the ComEd investigation. Mm -hmm. So if he if he if he taught he if he knew about what was going on with ComEd and 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 their attempts to bribe uh, uh, Speaker Madigan or at least Speaker Madigan's close associates, um, uh, who knows what's that that's going to mean for the uh, federal investigation? Yeah, are the feds saying anything? I mean, in the wake of his death, it's, it seems to me to be very, very quiet on that front. Right. Yeah, they have not said uh, anything as far as I know. Um, but you you do have to wonder, particularly if, if, if Martin Martin Sandoval knew or had key information about the uh, ComEd scandal, um, that they have to be wondering what their next step is. Yeah. Well, that's a, a very strange twist to an already very strange story. Um we still have a, a budget hole uh, here in Illinois that, the, that that is relevant. And we've written about it extensively at the center square. We've talked about it considerably on the, the crosstalk segment here at Illinois in focus. What is the latest on that? I saw Michael Madigan earlier this week. He laid out his quote unquote vision for tax revenue, man of vision. Yeah, so the two announced Democratic candidates for the speakership, uh, Speaker Madigan, who's been um, the top dog in the uh, Illinois House for all but two years since 1983, is being challenged by at least one other Democrat, Representative Stephanie Kifowit of Oswego. Uh, Speaker Madigan and Representative Kifowit appeared before the Legislative Black Caucus over this past weekend. Um, and the, the caucus's leader, State Representative LaShawn Ford, a Democrat from Chicago, uh, released a little bit of information about uh, what happened at, the, at that caucus meeting with the two speak Democratic speaker candidates. Um, and he said, one, that uh, Speaker Madigan was open to uh, the Legislative Black Caucus's ideas about the need for more revenue. And when government officials, uh, elected officials talk about more revenue, what they mean is tax increases. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Illinois voters rejected uh, the constitutional amendment to change our um, flat income tax to a progressive income tax in which higher earners can be charged higher percentages of their income in taxes. Um, but Speaker Madigan was, so essentially what he said, Speaker Madigan is open to um, more tax increases, whereas Representative Kif Kifowit uh, was less open to more tax increases. Okay. Um, we are of the mind, um, you know, per previous conversations that one way or another, more tax increases are going to be on their way in the, in the coming months. Um, really not, I don't think there's a lot of disagreement among those sort of inside the, the uh, Springfield capital bubble on that either. Uh, but under these conditions, you know, have, you know, with the progressive income tax 
now failed that the legislature specifically and the governor specifically will have to wear these increases that that, that will be their part of their legacy nothing new for the democrats in in the legislature and and in fact in fact i wouldn't even make it i wouldn't even lay it all on the on the democrats i mean over time here in illinois uh republicans have done things uh that have uh created uh ongoing uh problems certainly the the edgar pension ramp um you know was uh not not just a single shovel in that in that dirt that dug the hole that created the situation that we're in but you know michael madigan now now i believe in his 50th or 51st year depending on how you take a look at the at the calendar one quarter of the entire existence of the state of illinois which is you know only incredible years old yeah it's amazing i mean it speaks to all the conversations that that have had have happened and should be happening about term limits i mean my goodness that's just too much control for too many years yeah he's in addition to being speaker of the house for all but two years since 1983 he's also the chairman of the state democratic party and he controls all of the campaign funds that come in there so that's too much power for for one man for too long of a period of time um, um i think you and i both agree it's time for someone else as a, a reform a reform minded person and ethics reform minded person to become the next speaker but of course we don't have a vote uh, right right so meanwhile and the republicans are participating in this at whatever level they can of course they're badly outsized here in in state government in illinois but um leader jim durkin um said hey you know we sent you ideas because the governor's been calling for ideas on cuts we sent those in 2019 um where they asked for a six percent cut across the board what's the latest on that well uh, governor pritzker has said he would prefer um spending cuts um, before uh, he agrees to any tax hikes, well, that remains to be seen. He um, he said earlier this year that uh, he was asking uh, administrators, his department administrators, to come up with plans to cut five percent of their budgets this this fiscal year, the fiscal year we're currently in, and another and an additional ten percent next year. Um, he, when pressed on why there haven't been any cuts, he said there have been some inter internal cuts within his administration, but he shared no examples. Mm -hmm. I doubt there's been and, um, uh, anything significant in terms of expense cuts that have happened. The, this current fiscal year's budget, which ends June 30th, 2021, is $4 billion out of whack, in right. part because Governor Pritzker and, and Democratic lawmakers were counting on voters uh, to accept or to vote in favor of the constitutional amendment to change the flat income tax to a progressive tax. That, of course, didn't happen. And then Governor Pritzker was also counting on a uh, federal bailout of states amid COVID-19. That has not happened yet. Um, and I honestly can't say if that ever will happen. So they're going to have to do something to close this $4 billion budget hole. Um, Republicans, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Minority Leader uh, Durkin uh, wants uh, expense cuts. Apparently, Speaker Madigan, based on this uh, Legislative Black Caucus meeting over the weekend, wants uh, tax increases. So it remains to be seen what happens. Well, I mean, in, in your in your reference, COVID. So COVID throws a wrench in virtually everything because we have no idea what what's you know what's going to happen in the next couple of months with regard to 
you know, mitigation and mitigation rules, you know, whether schools will reopen. Uh, obviously, Chicago Public Schools this past week had a, a really crazy tweet um, about, uh, you know, the demand for them to return to school being rooted in sexism, misogyny, and racism. Uh, not necessarily uh, authored in that order, but, you know, just kind of kind of bananas. And in, in the meantime, you know, there are different there are different uh, uh, levels of enforcement around the mitigations that have been put in place around the state. And there was an interesting, um, I guess it would be, you know, sort of you, know, you could probably call it straight up hypocrisy in the way that the governor talked about two specific incidents, one involving a, a Republican uh, state rep and the other uh, involving a city alderman from uh, Chicago. You talk about that just for a second. Yeah, so uh, State Representative Brad Halbrook, a Republican from Shelbyville, um, was open and honest about uh, uh, having uh, a holiday party where somewhere around 100 people uh, attended. Of course, uh, under Pritzker, Pritzker's uh, mitigation efforts, people, crowds aren't, uh, groups aren't supposed to, groups larger than 10 aren't supposed to get together for indoor, any kind of indoor activity. Um, Representative Halbrook admitted um, to, to hosting this party. He said individuals were free, free to choose whether they wanted to go or not. Up to them. We've been in this pandemic now for almost nine months. Um, people know the potential dangers uh, that they face if they go to a gathering. This was a private gathering in a private home. Um, people who went posted things on on, uh, on social media. Uh, Representative Halbrook uh, was okay with all of that, didn't care. At a news conference this week, Governor Pritzker just laid into Representative Halbrook going so far as to say that maybe he shouldn't even be in the General Assembly. Mm. Um, but we had a journalist uh, at that news conference, um, our Illinois uh, news editor, Brett Rowland, attended, and uh, he pressed uh, Governor Pritzker on sort of the hypocrisy of the uh, this, the criticism. Because Alderman Tom Tunney, Chicago Alderman Tom Tunney, uh, owns a restaurant, and he's been allowing people, even during restaurants are not allowed to have indoor diners under Pritzker's most recent orders for the past month or so, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit longer than that. Um, restaurants are supposed to close indoor dining. Uh, Alderman Tom Tunney, a Democrat uh, in Chicago, uh, allowed his restaurant to serve uh, people indoors during that restriction. Prisker had nothing to say about that, so our um, our Illinois news editor pressed him on it, and um, uh, Prisker's response was uh, was really less than than genuine. He said that Tom Tunney apologized for his error in judgment, so he's off the hook, um, even though he's he, you know he's allowing people into a business that he wasn't supposed to. Um, uh, Representative Holbrook is hosting a party at a private place. Uh, and he shouldn't be a legislature because of it. It, it, it smacks up the right, democracy to me. Right. Rules for thee are not necessarily for me. Um, it's an interesting time to be a restaurateur. And I think if you're a restaurateur and, uh, you know, a, a um, an elected official, you know, I, I would think that that would be a really kind of twisted up situation. But, you know, we, we do look for, you know, our leaders to lead by example. I think Tunney's, Frankly, I think what Tunney did is 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 worse. I mean, it's um, 
you know, I, you know, the, the idea of having guests come, you know, th uh, through your home or if it was in a banquet hall, I'm not sure which one of the, was the case. I mean, you know, people are free to come and free to go. And you know, these are your friends. These are people that, that you know, that, you know, um, Tony's operating, you know, a business as if it were under normal conditions and business as usual, uh, putting staff in the way of, of potential harm. I mean, you know, if, if you know, if you mitigation concerns or, or something that you really, you know, you really buy into, you know, the, the idea of what, what's going on there is absolutely in complete contradiction, uh, to, uh, to the mitigation, uh, standards that have been set up. So it's, it's very, very strange. And, and that, that, that one would be different from the other in some, in some way. I mean, well, and, 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 and throughout this pandemic, there have been, you know, downstate, more, you know, red-leaning counties um, who have said they're going to refuse to uh, to enforce Pritzker's restrictions. Um, uh, there have been restaurants who have said uh, that they, they're going to close if they don't allow customers inside. So they've violated that. And Pritzker has hammered them time and time again yes. uh, uh, to give Alderman Tunney a pass. It's just, well, he, uh, Danny said he was sorry. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, my bad. I mean, you know, I, 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 I was aware of the rules because, in theory, I was part of the t group that that instituted these rules for the city of Chicago. But my bad. And you know, there, there, there have been blatant examples of this across the country, um, of you know, public officials, elected officials, essentially saying, "Do as I say, not as I do." Governor Gavin Newsom of California yep. comes to mind. He he closed restaurants and um, and, and then and was ordered, eating in one, and then was eating in a high end one with a lot of people who didn't have masks on. Yeah, Phil Murphy and, and the governor of New Jersey did yeah, the same thing. The same to, thing. To take it back out to California. Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, did the same thing. Uh, Austin, the Austin mayor uh, told everybody not to travel during Thanksgiving. He traveled to Mexico. Yeah, he uh, filmed. He filmed the message uh, re reminding people to not uh, to not travel from Mexico. The mayor of 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 Denver uh, did the same thing. He went he went to Houston for for Thanksgiving Denver. after telling people not to go. I mean, I hate to say that the list kind of goes on and on and on, but I mean, it's like, gee whiz, and and the common theme here you know i mean and and it, you know to wind it back it's kind of like the the midst you know the maybe the high point of covid you know uh, michigan uh governor gretchen whitmer's husband was out what sailing or riding his riding was a, riding a snowmobile or something i mean it's like okay uh, I, you yeah, know and pritzker himself i mean with his family traveling around you know, and and even you know, in the days leading up to Thanksgiving, you know, when he was asked what he was doing for Thanksgiving, he's like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll go to Florida, maybe I'll stay here. It's like, whoa, whoa hold <laughs> on there, dude, you're telling us to all stay in, and you know, I mean, and then you you like you have options, and like, what are these options, and when can we, uh, you know, you know, can, are these our options as well? Or apparently not. Yeah, it's it's the, the the hypocrisy is just it's evident and it's outrageous and it's why people stop listening. Yeah, so that's it. Why and would, I, yeah, I think why that that's exactly that? right. Right, right. I mean, it's like you know, I, I don't know. The I mean, of course, you know, uh, the, the part of the American spirit here is that we don't like to be told what to do. I think it's kind of the nature of our nation. Um, you know, more government with more rules is not exactly what the framers uh, signed us up for 
At least that's that was my understanding. COVID's really bent a lot of our thinking around that. I think as a society, we're not really sure what to do. But but when the actions go in a different direction from the edicts, I mean, I think that they they become absolutely worthless. They become they become moot, and you get things like, you know, uh, state's attorney in McHenry County saying, you know, and he was the first one. Uh, Patrick Keneally said, "Yeah, I'm not enforcing these restaurant." you know, these restaurant uh, mitigation rules, you know, we got other things to do up here. Right. You know, so. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, and, and I guess on we go, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's like, and, and, you know, for the benefit of the people that are listening, I mean, here's the thing. And I can, I can't speak for Dan, you know, Dan, feel free to chime in. I'll speak for myself. If you don't want to get COVID, don't put yourself in a situation to get COVID. If you don't care about getting COVID, you're going to do whatever you want to do anyway. And maybe you get it and maybe you don't. Um, you know, I've erred on the side of being, you know, thoughtful and 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 uh, conscious. I mean, I have an older person that lives with us. You know, my mom has, has lived with us for uh, 20 years, stroke survivors, had a bunch of surgeries and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, I'm not really going to go out and, and live dangerously. And to be honest with you, at this point in my life, I don't spend a lot of time hanging around in bars, uh, in, in, uh, in restaurants anyway, I just don't, but right. you know, for, for other people, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, the, these choices that they have to make if they're, if they're trying to listen to the guidance and then they see people doing something completely contrary, especially the people who specifically told them right. to follow the guidance, doing something that's very different. It's confusing and people aren't going to listen and they're right. not. Right. And it's, it, you know, we had a recent spike. Numbers are starting to come down a little bit. Um, but during this during this recent spike, Pritzker was up in front of the microphone every single day telling people to this. Governor Gavin Newsom in California was doing the same thing. Um, but then they, they, they don't practice what they preach. Um, why should Illinois residents uh, adhere to it when, when elected officials aren't? Meanwhile, you know, here in Illinois, things, things, I mean, you just referenced, I mean, statistically, if you, you know, if you buy into the IDPH's numbers, which, you know, they've, just to be clear, they haven't been super transparent about those numbers, positive test cases and things like that. You know, they, they've moved the goalposts on a, a, a few of the sort of met, you know, the metric, um, you know, uh, indicators. Um, but, you know, this thing at the LaSalle home here in the state, and it's it's a you know it's a state it's a state run you know uh, facility. It it's like one of the biggest. It is among the biggest disasters in the country at a single single facility, right? I mean, it's like there's that outbreak outside of Pittsburgh at a facility early on in COVID that that you know just literally wiped out a bunch of people. Um, there was a thing in you know uh, in in New York State at the beginning of COVID. You know, same deal. Uh, but this issue here in in illinois with the lasalle home i mean is specifically biting because i mean this is a state operated facility i mean if the state can't manage the covid uh practices or the you know the practices of dealing with you know with patients direct care patients amid the, uh, covid uh who 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 can Right. I, I agree. This is one of the biggest tragedies during the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, 32 residents of LaSalle Veterans Home have died um, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic of COVID-related um, illnesses. Of course, uh, they're veterans living in a veterans home. What 
veterans, meaning they serve their country uh, to keep us free. Um, but if you're in a veteran's home, you likely have, you're likely either you know, much older or have other comorbidities, other health issues. Uh, but the fact that we couldn't protect these 32 residents when we know, we've known now for months uh, that COVID-19 uh, impacts the elderly and those with other health conditions much more significantly than any others is, is sad and reprehensible. Finally, this week, um, there were some consequences. Uh, there was some accountability. The administrator of the home, Angela Melbreck, was fired, and the nursing supervisor, the nursing director there, was placed on leave. Um, and, and, and finally, the leader of the uh, House um, uh, Veterans Affairs Committee, uh, who happens to be Stephanie Kifowit, who we talked about just a little bit earlier, right. uh, who's running for speaker against uh, Michael Madden, Madigan, asked the speaker's office to hold hearings on what happened at the LaSalle Veterans Home. Honestly, these hearings should have been held already or should have started a long time ago, but at least there's progress. Of course, as we've talked about before, the legislature has been largely absent during the pandemic, um, and it's inexcusable. Largely? Yeah. Oh, that's generous. I mean, right. my goodness, it's been completely absent. I mean, but yeah, I mean, um, when you see somebody, you know, like in those two positions uh, get taken out uh, in a crisis situation, it's optics. Th that would suggest that, you know, that that significant change was made there. Sorry, not buying it. No, don't don't disagree. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, there's 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 plenty of more. Uh, people that need to be held accountable, accountable, including potentially, um, uh, you know, elected officials and or uh, administrators in, sure. in Pritzker's office. Yes, For sure. I mean, um, from the you know within the administration of the home down. Okay, those are that's easy, right? Right. Those are you know, I mean, probably not politically connected people. Um, maybe they were on some level, but at a in a minor league baseball way, that needs to go up. Yeah, that needs to go upward, not downward. I mean, you, you know, you have to be looking at the entire administration of that home, all the way up to the highest state office. The governor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Give me a break. I completely agree with you. And she's it's, she's a little late to the party, but I am glad that Representative Kifowit is now calling for hearings uh, so we can hopefully get to the bottom of it. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath, though. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. So you know, the good news uh, this week is you know it look it is that it appears that we're like rolling full steam ahead into vaccine distribution. You 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 got the proper federal sign off. The state has to sign off, which I believe is scheduled to happen uh, today or tomorrow, and then you're going to have vaccine um, distribution and actual like vaccinations occurring what our understanding is in the next three or four days yeah yeah yes yeah, we're, we're we're close we're we're getting close to the, not the finish line though i guess maybe the first finish line because there's only only so many doses that are going to be available we're getting close to the starting line i mean to be you know to be intellectually honest about it um we expect fda approval maybe as early as today of the two different uh vaccines that are out there um uh, both companies uh, uh, said they're ready to um, distribute as soon as they get uh, the FDA approval. So it, it, the vaccines could could be given out as early as perhaps this weekend, maybe early next week. Mm -hmm. um, of course, um, uh, there's a limited number now, 
Um, but uh, uh, as the weeks and months go on, uh, there'll be enough available for everyone to get one. Um, healthcare workers and uh, those who live in congregate care settings, such as nursing homes, are going to be first in line to get them, as they should, as they should. But then it'll become more widely available to the into the or to the general public as we get into 2021. Yeah, and there's and you know already you know is watching uh, network television, subjecting myself to that the, the nightly news and you know the the local uh, Chicago uh, television stations uh, talking about the fear. Because fear sells, man. Let's go. Let's make people scared. Um, fear about getting the vaccine. Um, when do we get past that? I mean, uh, as a as a country, when, when, we do get, we, when, when do we get around the nonsense of being afraid of of, of vaccines? Well, th- there's going to be some. There's going to be a minority of people who are going to always uh, question vaccines. I think there's more fear of this particular vaccine in a more across the general public just because it's new and it's unknown and COVID was unknown um, and whatnot. But I think once those initial, um, you know, those first groups of people uh, who will be getting the vaccine, get it and, um, and show no signs of, um, uh, of, of any issues with it. Um, I think the general public's more and more of the general public is going to open up to the idea of, Hey, maybe I should get this thing. I think one of the more interesting aspects of the vaccines themselves, right? Because it's, you know, it's the middle of December at this point that the guy who was the head of the lab in Wuhan who shared the genetic code outside of uh, China's wishes that got the process started of, you know, to create the vaccine, that the vaccine that Pfizer and Moderna and the others, you know, that, you know, are ultimately bringing to market they pretty much nailed that vaccine within a week of getting that that coding, and that was in January. This just goes to show you how long, you know. You know, even with uh, President Trump, love him or hate him, I mean, one of the things that you know that he was adamant about was that we have to be able to open up and speed to market things that work. You know, I mean, he put forward, you know. Uh, the right to try law. And I mean, it's just doing a lot of things to kind of, in, in his view, improve, uh, you know, healthcare, right? Operation warp speed, right? Right. It still took like 11 months, yeah. you know, through the, through the whole belly of this thing. And it's, I mean, pretty much exactly what they had developed within a week. So like by January 20th, they had they had the vaccine, and then it just took them this long uh, because of the obstacles that exist to uh, to get this vaccine to market. I, I find that it's it's maddening, it's frustrating, um, it's also well, fascinating. I mean, you peel back how how business gets done or how things get done here in the United States. There, there's there's two sides to that. I do understand um, the need for testing to make sure any potential vaccine is safe, doesn't cause side effects that could be worse, for example, uh, than COVID-19, particularly in younger, healthier people, um, whatever. So I understand the need for the testing. Um, but remember, too, at the beginning at the beginning of this, there were some health experts who were saying it could take years before yes. we have that vaccine. That's right. Um, so I'll take 11 months. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and yeah, honestly, you know, kudos to the to the researchers and the people that worked to develop this and the speed at which they were able to bring this you know, uh, to, to bear so it could go through 
right the the myriad you know trapdoors and maze of 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 uh, bringing uh, a a medicine such as this to to market. But, and, um, and kudos to also to President Trump and, and Operation Warp Speed. You mentioned the obstacles. Yeah, there still were obstacles there, but he removed a, n a number of obstacles too, so we could get to the point where we're at today. Mm -hmm. I want. I wonder if um, you know if our our, our dear friends in in uh, the the you know in big media are going to pause for a moment and uh, and acknowledge that. I'm going to guess they're not. Probably not going to do that. Um, other news in Illinois. Uh, we're frequently included in this list, uh, you know, this annual this annual list, um, the quote unquote judicial hell holes of the United States list came out. Uh, Illinois, uh, very nicely represented there, um, you know, and appropriately so. Uh, where do we fit into hell holes as a whole? Yeah, it's, it's as you mentioned, uh, we're we make this list every year. It's an annual report by the American Tort Reform Foundation, where they identify, uh, in some cases, uh, judicial districts, in some cases, whole states, uh, as what they call judicial hell holes, you know, places where um, the court system and the judges um, are unfair um, to th things like businesses who get sued and whatnot. And um, this year, the uh, in uh, Illinois, the uh, Cook, Madison, and St. Clair County court systems uh, made their top 10 list for worst judicial um, uh, districts in the country. This is, a, this is a national thing. And it has to do with um, uh, uh, the amount of settlements against businesses and lawsuits. Right. right. Uh, uh, and odd things, Dan, right? I mean, you know, because like in Madison and St. Clair County and Cook are, are the three counties that, you know, that in combination that you know it's here most of these things and and some of the the reasoning why is is fascinating to me like for example like you know there are lawsuits that are brought forward from other countries that are heard in either madison or st Clair county simply because whatever that product was let's say you know it was asbestos right. passed by the shore on its way down the mississippi river so you could have a lawsuit that comes over from Poland or Estonia or wherever in Europe that's heard in that in that court, right? And and there's examples of um, of juries awarding, um, in one case, two hundred fifty million dollars to a single uh, Indiana factory worker, not even a, a factory worker from Illinois, um, uh, uh, being awarded against U.S. Steel um, just because of uh, uh, of the judicial hellhole that these these jurisdictions are. Is that because the, uh, the 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 smoke from the stacks at the Gary plant blew over into uh, into Cook County? Uh, I'll have to do more research on that, but that certainly wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Um, uh, Foid cards continue to be uh, a, a matter of discussion here in Illinois. If you've applied for a Foid card in the last, oh gosh, I would say the last year, um, you know, it was it was it it was always much slower and of course this is a layer on top of the second amendment that 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 illinois somehow has managed to you know to to make stick um but the foid card backup now a lot of people are you know obviously with you know just the way that things are people are thinking about you know uh, protecting themselves their homes their private property and certainly their families 
and are, are applying for FOID cards at rates that are unprecedented. Um, good luck getting one. The backlog's like four months at this point. Four yeah. months. <laughs> Uh, 121 days, uh, about four months. Um, so it's it's uh, supposed to be uh, less than, uh, if I memory serves, less than 60 days. So it's more than double that. Um, uh, and this this is people's constitutional rights, right? The Second Amendment allows uh, supposedly. Get, get, I, I don't know. Do we even have a constitution anymore? I'm well, not during, sure. During COVID, I tell you what, I'm not sure either. Um, but uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Of course, uh, Governor Pritzker was asked about it, and guess guess what he said? Uh, I didn't do anything. It wasn't Bruce my Rauner. fault. It's Bruce Rauner. Bruce Rauner. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Rauner. I mean, he's just like my goodness. You know, it's too bad that Bruce Rauner didn't serve two terms because, you know, he would have you know uh, Governor Pritzker's list of things that were wrong, you know, or or unfixable, uh, you know about the state of Illinois, you know, he could just keep ticking off of that list. I mean, never, never mind the fact that, I mean, Bruce Rauner was neutralized and made, you know, completely ineffective by a, a, a Dem controlled that wanted to do absolutely nothing. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the gap between those two was so wide. I mean, it's like, honestly, it's, it's almost as if we didn't have a governor for four years. Right. Really? I mean, because I mean, what could he do? He was completely hemmed in. Uh, the one, the one thing that he did do, sadly, was uh, um, you know sign off on the income tax increase. Yeah, he did. I'm not a big fan of HB40, taxpayer funded right. uh, abortion Abortions, stuff. Right, right. That signed was, off on that too. That was bad. Of course, you know, uh, uh, Governor Pritzker doesn't bring that up as as being a problem because it's it, he would have, uh, you know, I think in all likelihood would have signed the signed that if he had an opportunity to do it. It was just gravy that that Governor Rauner had done it. So. Um, yeah, the last time I was in a gun shop, you know, uh, was, uh, I don't know, several weeks ago. Uh, I mean, you, you're really not even supposed to be in there without a FOID card, first of all. I mean, you can be in there, but you can't do anything. You can't even pick up ammo off the shelf. Um, that's a that's a disaster. I mean, that's a, that's an absolute disaster. Um, but you know, uh, there have been no cuts that we're aware of to state government in any administrative responsibility. This runs through the state police because this is about background, right? Right. But um, I, I just, you know, I, I just don't understand what the what the problem is, you know, that 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 why it would take, you know, even 30 days to do a proper background check with the level of access that you give the state in terms of your own personal information. How long how long does it how long does this take? I mean, these are automated tasks, are they not? Right, automated tasks, you know, and states have been sharing uh, information. So, if, for example, if someone moves to Illinois from you know, Indiana or Missouri or Wisconsin or, or wherever, you know, the states now share that background uh, check information. The state police is from each. So it should it should be simple. It should not take 121 days uh, to approve a background check. So. A person can exercise their constitutional right to possess a firearm. Yeah, it's it's, it's absurd. Well, um, Dan, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, you. Maybe we'll 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 dig a little deeper and try to find some good news. I look back at the at the list of things that we talked about this week. Um, former state senator dying, the budget holes crazy. Of course, you got government people, you know, acting, you know, in the 
formest, you know, the highest forms, I should say, of, of, of hypocrisy. Terrible thing going on at the LaSalle home. I guess the vaccine is, is good news. There you go. So let's lean into that. Um, if you have an opportunity to get vaccinated, you know, uh, go go do that. I, I, you know, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. First opportunity that, I, that I'll have, I would imagine that I'm in like wave five. You know, so a lot of this conversation, to be honest with you, just to kind of bring it back to, to, to the vaccine, whether I'll get vaccinated or not. Uh, you got plenty of time to think about it. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I think with the number of people that are in front of you, if you're if you're out there listening, you know, driving around in your, you know, in your pickup truck or, you know, um, living a fairly normal life and listening to us on the Illinois and Focus podcast, uh, you got plenty of time to think about it. You'll have plenty of time to watch and see what the reactions are. Um, oh, I got to say this, man. You know, that was the other thing that came up you know, in the, in the consistently in the nightly news last night, as I was kind of flipping between the networks, apparently in the UK where they've started to um, vaccinate people, there were two people, two, not 2%, not 200. There were two people that had an allergic reaction to the vaccine. And in both cases, those two people had previous allergic reactions to shots, right? Not just vaccines, just to shots. And somehow, some way that trip triggered this entire conversation. I think that that started this is the vaccine safe more in a moment. Get me out of there. Dumb. And both and both people fully recovered. It was, it was an allergic reaction that they've had allergic reactions in the past as you said it, it was just a big scare tactic i think um, i hate that i yeah. absolutely hate that and so at the same time you know the word is coming out about the vaccine um there, there has to be i mean i don't understand why the networks i mean if, if, you know you gotta you gotta get people to watch so if the news the, if the news is is all good or fair or whatever it ain't gonna happen but uh you know whatever well, uh, for Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square here in Illinois. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Next week, we'll cover Monday's House Special Investigating Committee of House Speaker Michael Madigan, Tuesday's House hearing on the COVID-19 outbreak at the South Veterans Home that's killed at least 32 residents in a matter of weeks, and much more. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.